Welcome to another edition of Father Time. Uh, I'm very excited about today's show. I'm joined as always by my uh, my producer slash friends. You never get that right. You always hesitate. What is that? It's a hesitation to you, Andy, that I yeah. love. Um, Andy Lerner is here. Yeah. He's yeah. promoting. Hi. He has no kids, so he's, his, yeah. his opinion really means nothing for the next hour. Uh, but my guest today <laughs> is good Mr. about myself. My mm-hmm. guest today is Mr. Greg Barrent. That everyone, I think. A lot of people know you. Uh, well, they did. I mean, there was a there was a, there was a point in time. You know, I feel like that 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 has uh, crested a bit. He's uh, just not that into, into you. you was is a book that I wrote. New York Times bestseller yeah. book. Then you yeah. had a talk show. Then and I had a, a uh, for a moment I had a talk show. Yeah, real, real, real quickly. That's more. That's more moments than most other people have ever had a talk show for. You're not going to get any complaints. Um, I mean, yeah, there will be complaints. But uh, I've uh, known you always as one of my favorite comics of all time. No, like I remember really seeing you when I first came to town, going, God damn, how does he do that? Uh, it just comes spewing out in full bit form, even though I, at times you're riffing, and he's like, he's riffing in bits. And so it, today, we're going to get the secret. Yeah, we're going to get some to secrets your success. to your To my I, success? Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy to give movie. away the secrets. That's Michael I wish J. Fox's Oh, my God, episode. Michael J. Fox. But I sh- met Michael J. Fox. Oh, I guess that. I, I, did a, I did a benefit for Michael J. Fox. Uh, I was the, I clearly, somebody had fallen out. Uh, I don't believe somebody that. Somebody fell out. Somebody fell out. Yeah, you I don't, don't believe you, that. Those things don't happen like two weeks yes, before. Yes, you're a man of a certain age, but you're a well-known comic, and they, maybe a few years ago. I, my career is called Hal Sparks Cancelled. Um, <laughs> that's what I call it, because Hal Sparks Cancelled, and if you want the date, it's available to you. Uh, <laughs> you just turned down the Disney show at that point, and he said yes? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's how it worked? Exactly. Okay, just checking. Um, but he, but I, um, uh, Michael J. Fox was uh, doing uh, one of his... Um, did a benefit at a, a, a like a big home up in Beverly Hills, and it was uh, me and Joan Jett. Uh, that sounds awesome. It was really good, except that I followed a film, you know, about, about uh, Parkinson's. Parkinson's. Yeah, which there's Always no great. there's no angle at which Parkinson's is hilarious. No, like there's no way you can. No. Um, and uh, so they show this film, and then they do as they do at most of these events. They just say like, and they read from a sh- they read from your bio, so it's not in the right order, and they. <laughs> Say your name first. Greg Barrett was this, and now he's here. And then you go out, and people are still wiping their eyes, and also food's being delivered. Um, but I've done I, those. I've I, done those. I, I, and you know, but it's not my. It's it's um it's uh his event. It's not for me. Nope. It's not about me. Uh, and I had a joke in the old days where I would say my opening joke was I went to see a concert the other night, and as I approached the venue, the security guard said, "I'm gonna have to take your chain wallet." And and your uh, your studded belt, and I was like, "Why? Because the war and the terrorism are upgrades to security." And he said, "No, because you're 40." I know um, that joke really well. Classic. One of so, my favorite classic. jokes. Yeah, yeah, it is now eruption. Yeah, it is now 15. It's years, a great joke. <clears throat> it's now uh, 15 plus years old. But uh, but anyway, uh, there was a there was a nothing for a moment, and then uh, Michael Chiklis, who was sitting at one of the front tables, just laughed and slammed his hand down the table as though to cue everybody to pay attention and laugh and. That was it, and then Michael J. Fox came up afterwards and was super nice, and he got up and played guitar with um, with Joan Jett. It was great, and she was awesome, tiny. It was good. It was a lot of fun, but he, it was a trip because you know you grow up with these people, and now they're saying, "Hey, you're super funny," and you know, "Do you want to get high?" And I couldn't. <laughs> Michael J. Fox is a big stoner. He, yeah, yeah. Oh, he is. Like, yeah. Oh, I was joking. Oh, yeah. 
no, 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 it was I Joan think, Jett who got high with you. No, no, hey, no. Listen, it was if him. I had Parkinson's, I'd be high as a yeah. Pie. I mean, I don't think we ever. I never thought he didn't. Probably, I'm going to move one of my necklaces because it's hitting the other one and it's making a clanging. Your sound. tags, your yeah. dog tags. My, yeah, yeah, but yeah. that was kind of your signature. I kind of dug Did it. Did you like that? Yeah. That I sound like. Yeah, a, yeah. That I sound like. Um, we'll label this one as Mr. Jingles. Yeah. <laughs> for most. Of oh, Mr. Jingles. Oh, Mr. Jingles. I might change my whole name to Mr. Jingles. Honestly, I think it. I think it'd be a reinvent rebirth of your career. Well, you're playing a ton of music now. I do well. I've always played music. Um, it just uh, it it, uh, it it's really like a it's like it'd be like if you said that'd be like if you said you're playing a lot of golf now, which means I have a lot of time. Um, I, well, no. When I first came here, I your big show, uh, uh, rock the bring the rock, bring the rock was right, right, right. huge. So when did you come here? Oh, I moved to L.A. in '94. That's when I moved. And I was I moved here, but I, I hadn't done stand up. I wasn't doing stand up. I didn't do stand up till like early two thousands. And I was doing some sketch and, 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 where, and where were you doing that? I was at Acme Comedy Theater. You were at Acme. Yeah. Okay. That was at Acme, and okay. so I started to see all these people doing stand up, and then I kind of forayed into stand up. But I was I I think by the time you came here, you were already you had a polished act. You were rocking. Oh no 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 you no 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 no. no you came dreadful. here cold. I came here with a band. I came here. Shut in up. So you came as a musician. I came well half and half. I've Johnny doing, Depp style. That's. That's so weird. That's what Clem Burke said, and that couldn't be further from the truth. P.S. Clem Burke is the, the drummer, drummer for Blondie. Blondie. We just neighbor. talked that's about exactly yeah. what that's, that's when you're living in L.A. You go, oh, who lives next door? Oh, Duff McKagan lives next door to me. Everybody, yeah, yeah like you can't not not like you you can't not name drop because hey, there's more names than there's ever. I been. just saw Steve Perry at Aroma Cafe like a week ago. From Journey, where I'm like, God damn, that's Steve Perry, Steve man. Perry, yeah. oh, and you're like, oh, that's right, I live in L.A. Aroma is. Spectacular! It's the for best. seeing people. Yeah, it's great. I had a friend who met me there, and I said, hey, "Did you see any celebrities while you were here?" He's like, "Man, I don't not one." And I was like, "Ah, oh, man, that's too bad." You see, there's somebody here. We're walking out to the car, and I go, "Don't make a big deal, but just turn around, because Pete Townsend is standing right Shut there." Shut up! Really? Pete Townsend uh, is looking would, at his phone. I would have yeah. lost it a little yeah, bit. Pete Townsend, was, like yeah. Steve Steve Perry, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's the guy from Journey." Pete Townsend, I'd be like, "Holy yeah, shit, dude, that's uh, yeah. Pete." Yeah, Townsend. yeah, yeah. Well, Pete, I mean, uh, uh, Steve, because uh, I used to live down here. He used to run through the neighborhood, just jog around with his. He's no, still... he was being chased. Um, <laughs> he was usually being chased by the yeah. rest of the band, saying, "Please tour yep. with us. We can make a jillion dollars." Yeah. Are you insane? Yep. Sometimes just his demons were chasing him. Somebody, somebody, um, somebody's ch- yeah. Sherry, Sherry chased Sherry him around a couple blocks. For oh, a couple Sherry, he would say. I one time um, was in that Ralph's on Vineland at yeah. like I don't know one o'clock in the morning. I was coming home from a gig or something, and Dwight Yoakam in like a trench coat, looking like a homeless man walking around Ralph's. I was like, God damn, man, that's Dwight Yoakam. Yeah, it's. It's, it's weird. Pretty like you can't. No. And then if you have kids, at some point, Dave Grohl's in your living room, and you <laughs> and you're in your you're in your pajamas. Yeah. And you're not prepared at all. No, like, for that's any of it. Nothing. Because nobody told you that your daughter was his daughter's. You know. Um, I a wish big I buddy was cooler. But I'm not. I grew up in New Hampshire. Like I never. Like I revered actors. Like oh my god, those people. So now I still I go to my kids' school. And it's like, oh, that's the dude from such and such. And that's but, Zoe Saldana's kids go to my school. And you're like, what? Right. But it was luck of the draw. They just, True just was, was Violet's yeah. big buddy. So Same age. Yeah. they were like, hey, Amira had become friends with them because she will talk to people and they'll talk back. And so she, um, so they said, hey, we would like to drop our daughter off. We're in Christmas shopping. Would that be okay? And so he was just standing in the living room. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I'm not ready for this at all. 
and he's super casual yeah. and he goes and we had a drum kit in the kit in the uh in the living room and uh, he goes can i play your drums and i was like fuck no no dude those are my drums who why would you who are you again why what you're dave you? grohl from nirvana what? no those are like i can only imagine like if drums have were sentient they'd be like oh that felt so good Nobody plays drums. Did he, what, don't I go. Mean, what did he just sit for hours and play? Your he drums? just sat down and played for a few minutes, and then he got back up. You know, he just like sat down. And he goes, oh, "That's a nice kid." It was just it's a little uh, grass sure. jazz kit, but he just whipped out some drumming. You know, I couldn't. I barely can remember it. It was all happening in that weird. Like, how is this? I felt like I gotta wake. Up. I have to wake up because <laughs> I'm in my pajamas, and That's the drummer of Nirvana's in the house, and That's I'm a big one. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. This isn't how I thought this was gonna ever happen. Anyway, but they're around, so it's not. But our kids are growing up like that. Where are you originally from? San Francisco. Okay. And, and Marin County area. And then, um, but yeah, but my kids are, one day I realized my kids are from LA. I, we just said the same thing. My kids were born in Pasadena and she's the little old lady from Pasadena. Like it's, she, right. to me, it's so iconic where we, my kids are, I heard Valley Girl on the radio the other day, Frank Zappa. Right. With Moon Unit, like gagged me with a spoon. And I was like, God damn, my two little girls are, Valley Girls. This is going to sound so gross when I say it, but Moon is my wife's writing partner. <laughs> that's so, so gross. gross. So gross. Like it's just, why don't <laughs> you just, so... you're not a human. You your, just, your that's kids all are you growing have is, up in LA. Well, you yeah. know, we, so when, I, so when I moved here in 94, it, you know, if you knew, it, everyone was sort of connected. Like Facebook happened in person. So like I came down and Patton Oswald had moved down and Brian Persane. You were already were doing working. comedy up there though. So I was doing you comedy guys were, and music. I was doing both things at the same time. When I first moved here, that slew of guys that came down from San Francisco right. owned LA. You guys, I mean, there was just crushers. It was you, Patton. There was a whole slew of you that were down here at the time. Well, I mean, to be fair, many people went to San Francisco and then came. Like, oh, okay. It was sort of a like San Francisco was sort of a scene that a was soft still pad, happening. a launching pad. Yeah. So you had like your Dana Goulds and yes, you know, um, who's originally from Boston, but yeah, he, I mean, Aaron was up there That's for right. a while. Mitch Hedberg, like you know, I mean, the real San Francisco Robin was still like, probably hanging around there too a little bit. Robin was hanging around there. He lived Robin there. Was, yeah, yeah, he lived in Marin and was doing. Yeah, I mean, when we were when we, but the thing is, we all started uh, during the death of the comedy club, but. Those were the people that were popular. So we were anti-comedy club, which was a perfect stance to take because nobody, if the few comedy clubs that were left, would book us. So we were anti-comedy club mm -hmm. because fuck them. Okay, well, nobody, you're not, they don't think you're funny also, so that works for you. But so we then started performing in coffee shops and all that kind of stuff, like, you know, uh, laundromats. I mean, and, kind of the beginning of the alt scene, yeah, really. That's what scene. it was. Really the birth really of the, the alt scene. Of and honestly, I would... Pointed to there, I guess Boston and New York would have their own scenes, but it always felt Boston like at that scene time, sort of petered out by then. It was, Boston was still more club guys. I feel like they were still following the club regimen, and you guys kind of created. It's like we don't guys. need clubs. You we'll know, go the, do comedy wherever we want. The Boston guys, the guys that were from like Cross, like the the yeah. sketch guys from Boston, were really inventive and really cool. And then and then New York just was its own thing. You know, the they clubs were, were still of, rocking. Yeah, and also, yeah, and they were doing their own kind of like sort of, uh, you know, Louis and, and Attell and those guys were, you know, they were sort of their, Marin even, they were all sort of their own thing. But we just sort of were this collective of people. But the only way that you got to, you know, you, you called people and then you all went and did things. So uh, the first time I went to a movie here, we all met at the Chinese to go to see Speed. And in that group of people was Kathy Griffin and Moon, who I met there. And Quentin Tarantino, who was friends with Kathy, like all of these people who were at the beginning of their careers, mm -hmm. like nobody. Quentin had done 
um, Reservoir, uh, dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Yeah. So he was sort of a big deal. But like, you know, Goldthwait, I think like there was just always a bunch of us doing this, you know, doing stuff all the time. Um, because otherwise there wouldn't have been an audience. Right. Because nobody else cared. There was know? a place on the corner of Fountain. Oh, God. It was like the, not the Dresden, but it was, uh, it had the red velvet Fountain and Coanga or something. What's the name of the room there? The, they would do comedy death ray there all the time. Oh, at M Bar. M Bar, yeah. Yeah, at M Bar. Right. So, right. And those guys worked. You guys would just show. find a bar so with a stage and then just, set up your own shows and rock and roll. Right. And yeah. it was just this collective of people yeah. and, and anybody. And they everyone just sort of found themselves. Like Paul Tompkins came from Philadelphia, I think. Yeah, Philly. And, um, and Jay, Paul and Jay, like all these folks just all. And it just kept growing. It just kept, you know, like it was like a, it was just like lint collecting, you know, and then. Sarah and Zach and the people just came and grew up. But I would say the beginning of it was Dana and Janine. It was at the when it was when the Ben Stiller show happened. That's right. Everyone started moving out here with Odin Kirk and Andy Dick and the whole right. crew. Still to this day, one of the best sketch shows of all time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go back to where you. So you grew up, uh, Marine County. What was your family like? My pa- my dad wasn't. My dad was a. Um, uh, he started as a cameraman and worked his way up to general manager of a of the NBC affiliate in San Francisco. Oh, is that right? That's, that's wild. So he was in television, and my mom, yeah. met my mom there, she was a Stanford grad, and uh, um, and he... So your parents were smart. They were smart. My, my dad is uh, uh, funny. Um, my mom was wicked smart. My dad's like, my dad's smart, but he has, but he, uh, he's just had a big, he's a big personality. He's just like a... Really? You know, yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's... Um, he's kind of a guy that figures shit out on his own. Not, a, not he's not gonna. He didn't really have to go. He just need to read the directions. He'll figure it out, kind of guy. So he and people like him. They trust him. So he is a guy who you know. Let's make him station manager. He seems to get along with everybody. <laughs> um, uh, he directed the news. He won an Emmy for that. Like he's you know. Um, Did you visit him a lot on set? I used to go down. Well, I was a kid. I was a baby, but. Uh, I actually, and I, I feel bad about this now because it's not the way I swing, but during the strike, I would go down and run the cameras. So I was a scab. At six. <laughs> at, at six. I broke the, I broke the picket line. Greg, and, just um, just I was press record and then try to keep the guy in the, in the frame. <laughs> Dad, I'm, I'm really confused just with what's happening here. Yeah. I mean, it was the news, so you just, you just Lock had to be off. there when they switched to your camera. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's really funny. But, uh, and then we moved to Marin when I was like 10 and, um, and I lived in that very sort of, I love it up there. I know, think it's beautiful. Was it a great place to grow up as a kid? Idyllic. Idyllic. Right? I mean, yeah, just it was really, beautiful. we were really, really lucky. It was very, um, Spielberg movie suburbs. Uh, siblings? One sister. That's it just to you. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I had one sister. She was, cause uh, your parents are smart, three. uh, intelligent, educated people who knew that two kids was more than enough than anyone yeah i mean i think because i think if you weren't catholic we're irish catholic six of us yeah i mean a couple miscarriage we probably should have been 10 is my guess my mom left the catholic church and had two kids her uh brother and sister both ended up having six and seven kids she left the church yeah she did because my they wouldn't let her marry my dad because he had uh, been in a marriage that was annulled so she became a um episcopalian and left the church and then so she then also just left all of its rules and just party was walked on. away from it and That's so rock and roll. just two kids yeah also i mean pregnancy is getting the way you're drinking they'd re- yeah, so, for nine um, months but yeah and then breastfeeding but after yeah. that you're and i found i heard later they really didn't get that in the way yeah. of her drinking my mother but, would have a guinness or two i think mm-hmm. back in the well, day. old days my yeah, mom yeah, picked yeah. her hospital because they serve wine did you so stanford grad obviously ridiculously smart woman mm-hmm. and like to like to have a cocktail or two like a cocktail too. I grew up honestly. I tell people like Mad Men was like a, like I felt like a documentary. 
Like, really? that's what my life looked like. <laughs> we watched it. Honestly, I feel the same. I looked at some old photos. There's not one photo of any of our family gatherings where everyone in the picture is not holding a beer and a cigarette. Right. And kids, and kids are rarely featured. Like, I don't know if people remember this. I mean, in some photos, but like in the old days, like... I like to say, like around Whitney, Whitney Houston is responsible for the way we parent because of the, you know, children of the future, right? Like when she, when that was in that song, even though she was whacked out of her head on coke, she, she was sang, not a great parent. Children that, of the future, I'm not the future. Children of the future. But I feel like people really grabbed onto that, really grabbed onto that idea in the '80s and mm-hmm. started, and the kids started to become the centerpiece of the family. Where when I grew up, the centerpiece of the family was the couple, was my parents. They were, that was what was important. My parents were like, you know, at six o'clock, you're done. Stop talking. And then you can talk again tomorrow at breakfast. And um, so I felt like, and my friends were like, it seemed like that with my friends too. Like they were always like, just go outside. Can you go away? Like go away. Whereas now you're like, where are you? Where are you going? You know what I mean? Like why and we have haven't to, you checked oh, in? What we time is it? weekend, we had to have a schedule of like, well, Hannah's got a gymnastics class. And then we're probably going to go to the farmer's market so right. Claire can ride the horses from one to two. I was like, why? We have a pool in the backyard. Can't we just hang at the house and no, not no, do anything? No, no, no. Lord, no. It, it, no, it's, it's really different. I mean, it, and, it, and I don't mean that. I don't know that. No, it's worse. Well, it's, it's not great for me personally because I. I don't think it's great for the kids. I don't. You know, I don't know. Like, like I don't. I like the way my daughters are turning out. So I, I have to sort of like. It's what's working, so I'm okay. You know, I'm okay with it. But there are days where I go, ah, I'd love to spend time with my wife. You know, I'd love to have yeah. that, like, um, you know, like the relationship part of it back because I feel like she's super committed to the to the kids in a way that you're. And they're also both girls, so you know, there's a little bit of like. My wife told me after the kids were born, she goes, that "What I used to crave from you, the attention and the emotional uh, kind right. of placebo I would get from you to make right. me feel good, I don't need that now because the two me holding a baby." actually is more enjoyable than me having sex and being intimate with you. I don't, I, it's fine. I like that. It's okay. But the love she gets from the two girls fuels her. Right. In a way that I never can. <laughs> right. I don't think any of us saw that coming uh, as men, because I feel like there's a lot of guys that are like, wait, what, what's happening now? Yeah, it's are over. we not? Wait, that, uh, that part of Zor? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, right. And I'm supposed to be playing the part of the like, uh, I don't know if I have time to spend time with you because I got stuff I got to do. And now it's like, are you available? Like, or do you want to go to a movie? No, you can't go to a movie. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a different time. And it's, and it's, um, it's probably swung too far the other way. But, uh, but when I was a kid, you were, I mean, you got on your bike and it, 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 I mean, I rode my bike to school and I rode my, like I got on my bike at seven o'clock in the morning and I came home and the sun was you know, when the moon was out. At like what age? Just because I was the same, and I'm always intrigued because nowadays I I would be like my, probably my daughter, ten, yeah, probably 10, 11 years old when we first moved. I'm to not Marin. there yet, but I feel like I I would be terrified to have my daughter like take her bike and go riding around Los Angeles and. Yeah, I mean, I I'm terrified just that my daughter's not a genius, but um, <laughs> but she never came back. She just she just directions. She, good person. She's she still came, riding. She's gone. She's Won't see her no more. She's gone. Glendale somewhere. We found her. I just kept turning left, Daddy, and I couldn't. I I don't know where I am. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I do. I, I mean, this is a different Los Angeles is its own different place. Sure. Right. And I but it's up, everywhere because it's it's social media. The, you know, the suicide right. rates are on the rise. Kids aren't being intimate with each other. Um, either sit next to each other and have a text conversation as opposed to looking up into each other's eyes. Because they have so much fucking intimacy at home. They're like, fuck. 
could somebody stop looking at me? Like, that, maybe yeah. that's, I didn't even think about that. That's why they're looking at their phones. They're like, Jesus Christ, stop asking me what I want. Don't you want something besides me getting off the phone? Go want something. Stop staring at me. How am I gonna? When do I like? Sometimes I wonder if, if boys are like, do, when do I get to masturbate? How do I even know that that's ever going to happen? Not, they're on camera all constantly. I need some time yeah. to mess this up and do it. Like, I need some alone time. My yeah. wife, we have, from the bedroom, there's a sliding door that opens into the living room. And so my wife will be like, you're watching the kids? I go, I'm watching the kids. Because I'm laying on the bed watching golf on the weekend or whatever. Right. And I can see the two of them through the door. And she's like, you're not watching them. What if they get out of your view? They're out of my view. They're in the house. where They can't go anywhere. Is it weird to you, like, I have scars. Like, I have scars, like, from being a kid. I have oh, yeah. you know, fingers in oh, the bandsaw. This is, yeah. That's a, that's a baseball bat. Now, I don't want my, face, my girls stick. to be hurt. Right. But at this age, they're 12 and 15, I had scars, you know? And so part of me thinks there's, a, there's an element of experimentation and personal danger and a point in which you test yourself to see what you can and can't do and this is more of a boy thing but you know you'd climb a tree and go fuck i'm not that tall and then you'd hit the ground like you'd that is not going to hold me like there's those experiments in physics that you have to do with your body yes. to kind of and i don't know if girls are the same but i do know that's missing and then you think well what happens when you then need to be able to challenge yourself in a physical way or just in a way where you've had to think for yourself. They won't. The problem is, I feel like the social right. media has. Right. Listen, you said you know we got to push our challenges and the kids. There's that one story from Fayetteville of the one kid who did that one thing and got killed, and it became national news. So right. one out of twenty five million kids right. actually did kill himself by climbing into a refrigerator right. box or whatever. Right. And or so my wife, that's what she obsesses about. And to she be goes, fair, you, they shouldn't, your... you shouldn't be operating a thresher, but. You should take yeah. some risks. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The, the wood chipper should remain as an adult. Yes, right, of right, course. Right, right. We have to have some rules. No, I know there is that. My kid um, fell off her bike. We just got her a bike with training wheels, and she was at the park, and she, she was wearing a helmet, which I never had as a kid. Right. She was flying around, and sure enough, she turned the handlebars and went right over. And of course, it's I didn't even get up. I was sitting there going, "You're okay." My wife flew at her. It was like we gotta go home. Should we? Should we go to the emergency room? Like she fell off her bike. She's gonna be fine, man. There's no. I don't see any blood. There's nothing. The only person who's gotten severely hurt since my kids have been born is me. When I was showing one of them how to skateboard, and she kept riding on the sidewalk, and I go, "You can't ride it on the sidewalk. It's a. It's too small. There's. It's all. Just come out in the street. I'll show you." And then I push off, and then the next thing I know, I'm being helped up, and I ha I just. I started, I hit a rock, and I went straight. I went so fast, I couldn't put my hands out. So I went right onto my face, split open my head, and had to be taken to the hospital in front of all my kids. So I'm like, <laughs> well, that's okay. Fair enough. But like, that's, that, man. That's going to mess those kids up. But at the same time, I keep thinking, you live through that stuff, and those experiences, I don't know that they shaped me, but they definitely were important. And so I worry sometimes if they're, um, and yet maybe the world doesn't, I don't know. I don't know. Were your parents strict with you? They didn't. They were no. like, "Nah, have fun, man. No. Do what you do." No, my parents were way too involved in what they were doing, or just very madmanish. Like it was just easy to get away with stuff, like after six, you know, because people were just more, you know. And also, but they also were fun. I liked my parents. We spent a lot of time together. Like we, you know, we there were a lot of times I'd stay home on a Friday night with them. I enjoyed. They their lived company. a good life. 
Yeah, and they were funny people, and they were interesting. Was your mom like, hey, let's play cards. Hey, you want a seven and seven? No, mom, I'm 15 years old. I can't. Yeah, a little bit. I think, I mean. I remember sipping off the cocktails at like Christmas from my brother-in-laws, and hey, you want want a little sip? And I'm like 14, 15 years old. I'm like, yeah, all right. My grandparents, who were all good people, but they they used to do that thing with a baby where they would just soak a... (laughs) Yeah, you just soak a rag in scotch and just put it over the baby's face for a minute, and that was it. Nowadays, they'd call social services. You'd be like, oh, dude. Yes. They, they would show no, up and No, there's people you. sharing about that in rooms going, I became an alcoholic when I was, you know, uh, uh, waterboarded with scotch as a two-year-old because I wouldn't stop crying. But man, you know, you're kind of like when the, when the baby stops crying, you go, okay, now what's the argument? Who's upset now? Who's upset with grandma now? Because she's quiet. Yeah, booze rag. <laughs> the booze rag. Waterboarding with scotch. Hey, waterboarding That's baby awesome. with scotch. <laughs> That's an album title. That's <laughs> classic. That's really funny. Um, so you go through childhood. Were you an athlete or were you you I musician? Be. Musician I as a be. kid. No, uh, uh-uh. I grew. I'm, I was born in '63, so um, music still was kind of countercultural. My parents were. Um, my parents liked comedy. My parents liked plays and comedy and sketches and radio and that kind of stuff. And they were was not, that stuff playing in your house? Was Lenny yeah. Bruce, Carlin, and the and the gang all... Yeah, Bob and Ray. And, Bob and Ray right You know, here, like, um, and Roy Clark, and, like, there was, just, you know, um, there was a lot of that, like, country mix stuff where there was, like, you know, uh, Glenn Campbell, but then Flat and Scruggs, but then they were to have, you know, then anyone that had a I remember a the Glenn summer, Campbell kid, is, uh, the show was a kid. Yeah, right, absolutely. yeah. Anybody Flip that had Wilson, a summer all replacement, those shows. Yep. yeah, um, um, sort of variety show on television... So the Beatles and that stuff, my parents listened to that a little bit, but that was not their deal. So the countercult, I didn't, and Well, they're San Francisco, too, in the 60s, right? Right, but you were sort of either on one side or the other. So my parents were <laughs> on the Don Draper side. You know, we, they, you know, they got hip, like, old people, you know, like, with the clothes the way, way people did in the 70s, where they it. started to wear yeah. the, but, but they were not drug experimenters. Um, right. um, I mean, I think way later in life, they would try stuff, but, um, yeah, no, they, we, we lived right yeah, up... Look, the, I'm 70. Heroin might be a, might be an option at this point. Yeah. I mean, we live... My, so, <laughs> hey, Nashbury. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? You know what? Um, what else am I doing this <laughs> afternoon? Or next month? What am I doing next month? I got time to lay down. I just... I'm going to have to... I have a bunch of money saved. I don't need to get more. <laughs> I've, I've, never, never, I've never been a junkie. Let me try that. And honestly, at 30, your body doesn't hurt. There's no reason for heroin. There's at 70... There's no reason. I'm, yeah. I'm 50. I'm... I, I hurt. Oh my god! Heroin I can would use really my hand. come in handy. Yeah. I, oh. Look, I can grab a cup of coffee. Look, look at that. Great. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to start that pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think a safe place to do heroin is what we you we find a place and we just open up a place called a safe place to do heroin and we just <laughs> literally you know, that's the name. I love it. Yeah. You know, it's comfort. You know, it's a quality of living. Yeah. Um, if you're going to stay inside, enjoy it. So. Uh, <laughs> Right, because daytime television doesn't work. No, it's too um, hot outside nowadays, anyway. Right, it's worth it. The um um, but yeah. So uh, my parents lived. We lived on a play uh, on a street called Edgewood Avenue, and it was right up above uh, Hayden Ashbury. Mm-hmm. So it was like the cutoff point. Like it was, you know, sort of young urbanites, you know, or people that would eventually move to Marin, but young professionals. And then there was the the summer of right love happening just down the street. Yeah. Um, and those people would babysit on occasion and steal everything. And then my dad would have to go back to the girl's house and say, your boyfriend took all of our shit. And then the guy would bring it back because he was a hippie and he was sorry. 
but that was the kind of shit it was, you know. I love that's the story he just glides over. That's such a great know, story. It's the truth. It's to the truth. be like, yeah. did the babysitter take all of our furniture? What just happened? They, they, the babysitter who was really pretty. I remember that. Um, uh, was really pretty, and she brought her boyfriend over, and he went into my mom. He went and used. The, he went into my parents' bathroom, and he stole my mom's jewelry. Like we wouldn't know who it was. I mean, that's how fucking high he was. And then when my parents were like, who stole that jewelry? I go, it was probably the guy who came here during the middle of that night who left early with the afro, white guy. And uh, so the white guy with the afro, then... That was a 60s thing, white guys called, with afros. Instead of calling the police, my dad called her, and she called her boyfriend. He brought it back and apologized. Um, but, uh, yeah, there were different times. But, yeah, so... Um, um, yeah, so nowadays that would be a story on social media would be said, Hey everyone, make sure you look out for this. And then my <laughs> wife would be like, you know, we, we gotta really vet the babysitters because right. everything's gonna because of one, one fucking story right. from somewhere. Right. The it, one out of a billion. So we've lost this human trust where we want we to trust, trust everybody, but we don't trust anybody because we've heard the one story about the shit that went down. Right. We don't trust anybody. And it and it, you're right, it only takes one person to screw up the whole you know, like I never had a bad Uber ride. I just didn't. I don't know. I know people did. I know one. that like that, but I never had a bad Uber. And then they were, you know, it's, all uh, of a sudden, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my wife's you, like, I'll get molested if I use an Uber. Look, the, I don't the, really will. Right. At any, you know, if a, if a human being is is involved, you know, there is an element of risk. That's yeah. just the way it is. People are stupid. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Um. Um. But but more often than not, they're okay. Like people are better than they're not. You Otherwise, can see it Houston wouldn't... with the tragedy. All of a sudden, you're like, oh yeah, people are good. Down deep down, yeah. most people are pretty good. I'm yeah, sure I... there's some looting going on, but you know, it's minimal. If people don't have to think about it, if they have to act in the moment, they usually do pretty good. Yeah. You know, if they're thinking about themselves or what they need for themselves, if they got a time to ruminate on it, how can I? profit from this situation they'll be awful there'll be some people that'll take advantage of this houston thing in some way but you know for the moment convicts They're are swimming around companies. trying to let people out of cars you know yeah, like yeah um yeah yeah oh no you're insured oh not for floods oh did we not say that it's oh, not man. included not this kind of flood this is a this is yeah, a yeah, yeah. This historic is, this too big yeah historic yeah, you're, flood you're, you're only covered for minor floods. Yeah, this, yeah, is, this is not. Yeah, this is a Trump flood. Criminal. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you. But I so I grew up. But my dad, Kizar Stadium, which was the 49ers stadium, was also down the street. Mm -hmm. My dad was a season ticket holder for 41 years. I mean, he just stopped going a couple of years ago because he didn't see the point. And uh, yeah, uh, and he'd gotten. You know, we got quite a bit out of it over the last. You know. Uh, 50 years you know mm -hmm. they they uh, but anyway so sports was what i want i wanted to be an athlete and all my buddies played sports but i didn't have the gifts for that at all i don't have that skill set you put it 110 percent, 110 percent every f every game did you my the the biggest compliment i got in four years of high school football was halftime of a game that we were losing and i was the second string fullback and the coach said about the about the first string fullback he said we got a guy out here running like a goddamn pussy Number 44, Ken Flax, that was his name. And we got guys like Greg Barron here who work hard all week who will never see the field. You were Rudy. I was, fuck, yes, except <laughs> I didn't get that fucking triumphant ending. It just ended. But to be fair, uh, on my senior year, I joined the rugby club and we won the national championships. There you not, go. not because I joined, it just happened. But it, it uh, so I got to have that experience, which was pretty great. Was that but college or was that? High school. High school. In high school. And then I played in college and I didn't like it. But at that point, I had. I've gotten a guitar, and then my life changed Changes. completely. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. about the time I wasted playing certain sports. 
in high school. I played right. some football. Right. The same year I played soccer. And I was like, man, had I just learned an instrument or a language during all those bullshit up downs and suicide sprints where you're like, what am I doing? What am I oh here for? God. What is this? I'm never going to play professional football. No, but, but part of it is like, I mean, think of it, especially for me, like I did play during the week because I, somebody had to, I was a quarterback for the first three years. So I ran the other team's offense. So I spent all week just getting the shit kicked out of me by the first yeah. team Horrible. defense all the time. Then I wouldn't play in the game. Then I'd go back to work on Monday, you know, yeah. and had still had to do all the other drills and everybody else. But I did learn how to do that. I learned, learned how to how endure to that. You, yeah. You learned. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, um, so it was, I think, I also think it's where I developed my, my desire to be funny or to, because were you always a funny kid? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Or just sometimes. You seem to have a razor sharp tongue. Oh, uh, I, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, you get older and you're like, oh, this is an attention getting thing and a defense mechanism and a way to not show everybody you don't know, you can't read. So shout <laughs> at the teacher. I'm familiar with that. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I went to the principal's office quite a bit. I had a lot of disciplinary things just for cutting, cutting up or being rude or whatever, probably being mean. If I look back on it, you know, at the time I thought I was pretty funny. I was probably, you know, making fun of a teacher or something, you know, but so you came down here, well, you started up there, but you were you playing in a band and doing stand-up? So when I got to college, I started playing in bands, and I wouldn't stop. And then I played in, when I when I uh, got back to San Francisco, I was trying to find work as an actor, and that was, I had gotten a theater degree, and that was miserable. And I got in an improv group, and Margaret Cho was in the improv group, and she said, you should try stand-up. And uh, I was like, am I being kicked out of the improv group? Because that's it. <laughs> That feels like you just kicked me out. I don't think I should try a whole other thing. Great, great show tonight. Here's what you should try. So, so don't do it. Don't right. do it. That's fantastic. So it seems like you're not good with people. You just like to talk. So for that, stand-up should be perfect because, yeah, you have it's to, yes. The thing about stand-up, Greg, you don't have to listen. Right, There's not no at all. There's no listening involved. It's There's just you zero. talking. Yeah. Actually, it almost, it behooves you not to listen. Exactly. Every once in a while, somebody from the crowd will have an idea they'll want to share with you about what you're doing. And you can choose to respond to that or just ignore it, exactly. which is kind of how you're improvising with us <laughs> at this point. So maybe stand up is. Yeah. Yeah. And off you went. I mean, when what I. What was it like the first couple times you got up? Well, the first time I got up, it was fantastic. And I think yeah, that's why I kept is. going. The first one is like, yeah. God damn, yeah, I'm guy, good at this. The guy who went up before me had a panic attack and didn't say a word and just ran off. And it was like, and he was like the 35th comic that night. Like it was. Where was this? Uh, the Holy City Zoo in San yeah, Francisco. That's what I thought. That's funny. And then, uh, and then I went up and I don't remember what I did, but I shouted and, you know, I was blustery and goofy. And <sighs> I talked about, I think I talked about wrestling my grandma and I had some other horseshit ideas, but. Um, but I presented them with a lot of enthusiasm and then I got done early. Like I, you had five minutes and I was like, can I tag out? Like, I'm, I feel like three's good. I feel like we got it. And, and people were like, yeah. And so that was it. Then of course the next time I went and did it, it was like, I'd never spoken into a microphone and then on and off and, on I went and 12 off. minutes long. Yeah. I didn't understand the concept of time. Right. I had no idea what was going on. Right. Then I tried to start then, then against my better judgments, I started to try and write jokes, which is not what I've ever done. So then that period and. So it was sort of a, you know, so then, but I liked it enough the very first time to go, okay, this feels like what I should be doing. And even though I'm in a band and there's no evidence, there has been zero evidence that you have a skill that can take you any further than these band practices. I, I wanted it so badly, you know. The guys in the band were like, Greg, I think stand-up's for you. We're like, wait, I'm in a band and when, an improv group. When, this is true, and they, they don't like it when I say it because they think it's mean, but it's true. When when the band finally got here to L.A., eventually they broke up. We, we broke up, and then they reformed, they reformed without, without you. Like that, <laughs> I saw that coming. Like that afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're, so we're done, right? Nobody's? 
So you can leave first if you want. We're yeah, yeah, not yeah, abandoned. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. This it's band right. thing is we over. We're all done. Hate we're you all, all done. Especially uh, you, Greg. But everybody else, stay for a minute. Greg, you're I good. I just want to chat with them. We're doing some dinner plans or something. But yeah, Greg. Do you want me to get your parking? Yeah, you're going to give you a couple of snaps. <laughs> as soon as you leave. All right. And I. And, what were you, I, and you were playing guitar and were you singing? I No. I No. I have. No. I'm a good. Uh, you're a good guitarist. At band leader. I was like, I was yeah. a guy who would like, you know. Make decisions about the stickers and the fonts and That's all that kind of stuff and yeah, the yeah, outfits yeah, yeah. and yeah. I mean, I like the whole creation of it. I like the art direction of it. That's what I'm, one of the things I always liked about bands. Um, but I also um, just writing a hit song is a difficult thing to do, even if you're, you know, what I mean, like it just it was difficult. And the band that we were in, and it's still really hard, really hard. Yeah, it's really hard. Uh, if if our band had been great we would have been in the ballpark of what no doubt was doing that was sort of the area you know sort of ska so sort of punk too, sort of extremely good they're they incredible. were way better than i thought they, i was like yeah and i yeah. was like holy shit they're good yeah yeah, yeah. and they and and a she's ska. we do a little ska we have a little ska we have a little punk rock a little bit of yeah a little english beat popping in there yeah Some good stuff yeah, yeah yeah any polka no polka per se mm. although we did have something that was close to a waltz yeah. you know uh, i'm not that this is there isn't so a vibrant polka band, scene here so you like all right well this this is more time to spend on my stand-up three career. things happen i get kicked out of the band i was in a relationship with a girl uh that you know whose name is janine garofalo and I when i say relationship i told her we were in a relationship she was just living in our house but i uh but with other well, so there's other relations pe- there were other people there yeah, yeah. Um, so I was in a relationship that I wasn't really in and, um, and I was drinking way, way, uh, everybody else's, I was drinking everybody else's. And so I, uh, stopped drinking, got relieved from the band and, um, uh, and, uh, and sort of got through that breakup by talking about it on stage at the Uncabaret and, um, uh, which was that Beth Lapidus had that show and, um, and I got ended up going through all of this this sort of journey and I got a HBO special out of it. And so I just was doing stand up, and that's all I did. What's well, funny too, you said you don't write, but your bits are, do you just keep doing them until they form themselves on stage? Yeah, I don't, I guess I was saying is I don't like, I don't construct a joke in the way that, um, I come at it, I come at it and experience and react to it and then talk about that reaction you tell a story on stage and then the setups and punchlines within the context. Yeah, and sometimes story. a joke will fall into it, <clears throat> yeah. but it will be only because of um, the enthusiasm I have for telling the story or the big pause where people are waiting for something to happen. I think you naturally talk in bits. I Maybe. kind of do as well because I, I kind of write the same way. And sometimes I try to write and then I get up and try to perform it as written and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Even when and I And then have, when I throw the script out and just start riffing, people go, yeah, that's your, that's your joke, How dude. do you act then? Because you're very good at that. And I don't, I can't read. I, do I don't care same. whether you wrote it or I wrote it. I, I read everything like I wrote it and I don't like it. I'm hit or miss. I just worked yesterday and I did it. I did like seven takes and each take was absolutely different. I try to go, I have no training whatsoever. I try to, I try to mentally picture myself and then I let myself go. And sometimes it comes out. Okay. And sometimes so it does it, is it ephemeral like that? Yeah, like, it's is weird. It, because you know, sometimes it's so funny it like when people say to you like, so-and-so is a bad actor and you're like, are they? Wow. They it's so fooled. subjective. It really, I mean, there yeah. are people, there, there are a handful of people where you go, man, that is unreal. But then there's people that like, like if you really watch TV and if you and if you see enough scripts, like when you once you start seeing scripts and you watch somebody, stop for a minute before you criticize them and imagine those words on a page. Yeah. Or look at the fact that like the person in that show is never given something funny to say. So when you say they're not funny, they don't get to be funny. They get to tell you what everyone's doing. Like there are just certain people who but there yeah. are just some people who can act 
you know, the well, and some people project by project. Like Nicholas, we watched some Nicholas Cage the other night, and I was like, Jesus, that's crazy. Sometimes he's locked in, and but he always makes a great choice and goes with it. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's so ephemeral, you can't. If you have like three or four good performances, how much more do you need? Like, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, he mm-hmm. has. Uh, I mean, he was good in Valley Girl. I know. You know, he's great in it too. And he's great. I yeah, I mean, he's generally great when. Uh, What's well, funny because you you are a writer. You wrote a book. Yeah. Best selling book. Right. So it is funny, but I, I am the same. I write, I can write like stories and uh, articles, but as far as writing my own stand up, it comes out so uh, just a thread of like what I'm thinking at the time. Right. And then eventually that story locks itself in, or sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's so perfect and it kills. And then I try to recapture it and it slowly slips away over time. Where I'm like, I can't, that story's falling apart. I can't find it anymore. Right, right. And I don't think that there, I don't think that everything has to be, I don't think stand up has to be written down. And I don't, and I think most of it is, it's exactly like song lyrics. It's like it's in the performance, it's yeah. not in the written, you know, leave that to the guys who. It takes a long time to learn write. that, to go like, just to trust, like, I'll. I'll be funny. I'll be okay if I get up there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and have some place that you're headed. But uh, and as far as writing books go, you know, when we had to do the you know the audio book, same thing. You're like, what am I? Why do I talk like this now? Those aren't words. I don't call people a super fox. But it you were reading. All right the, you were down. reading your your own book. Yeah. And yeah, was it? Yeah. Did you have to pause and go like, this is not coming out? This right. is just so weird because I was writing it to a specific person and it was about a specific. You know, it was all relationship right. stuff. But it doesn't. I don't want it to. Sometimes you're like, am I taking the power away from this? Because the written word is sort of the the beauty of the whole right. thing. You know. Um. Uh. Yeah. So. Uh, it, uh, it's all very, you know, on any given day, you can be amazing. And on any given day, that's why somebody said, uh, I auditioned for something the other day. I haven't auditioned for anything in years and years and years. And I was like, I don't know why I stopped doing this. It's sometimes I'll do something and someone will go, that was perfectly fine. Why don't you, why don't you act? I'm yeah. like, I, and I've decided that I'm horrible. You're not. And it's like, mm-hmm. I was love when people give stand up shit to, they go, they go, oh, he's not a good actor. Hey, you tell the same joke night after night on stage and crush. It's. Right. He's a great actor. Right. And it is, I think, like anything else, if you do it enough, if you just do it enough, you start to understand it without really having to uh, think about it. You it's just, about being it's comfortable, a, too. Once, yeah. you, once you get comfortable, it all falls in a place where you're like, oh, yeah, you don't have to do anything. Just say the words, man. Just right. Say, that's typically just say the words. Right. And get out of the way. Right. We just rewatched Lost. So I don't know if you've discovered that thing with your kids where you're going back and you get to. How does it hold up? It's fucking awesome. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, how? Because you know the ending. No, 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 no. We never watched the last season. And oh, okay. even though I'd heard it through the grapevine, I had a vague idea what happened. I still, I loved it just as a, as what it's trying to be as a, like a study of self will yeah. versus like good versus evil and, um, and people who can't get out of their own way and people who have a life that they're trying to get back to that's actually kind of shitty, but it's just that nobody wants to be where they is are. Is it purgatory? Is it supposed to be purgatory? Is it? I think it, in my mind it is yeah, there's something yeah, yeah. in between, but it's not as clear as like you know good bad middle. There's some vague. I don't like riddles. Of it. I think I need some things resolved at some point. But Terry O'Quinn, like some of the performances are like and yeah, phenomenal, the, and the absurdity of what they have to pull off. Like as an actor to go, okay, so wait, so I'm okay, so this imaginary smoke dragon, okay. <laughs> But this is a scene about our relationship. Like, you know, there's a lot going on that they're asking you to, to, okay. And then, then what ha- and then the, and then what, what time period are we in? Okay. Right. Like, well, it's- I, I think of that every time I watch Inception, I, all I, all I can ever envision is them on set going, all right, where am I? Right. What level dream? Who's, what's happening? Right. Like I'm watching it confused. I know as an actor, they are just, 
don't just say the just say the words because they don't there's no way they understood that script no not a chance and they shoot out a sequence yeah and you're trusting the director the amount of times that they asked matthew fox uh evangeline lily uh even uh, the guy that played sawyer uh so good to cry or to kind of like the the, the amount of like okay here's just a raw scene just cry. And you got to start it. We're doing it out of sequence. It's just like the one you did yesterday, but two weeks later, and you and we're going to shoot. There's a ton of coverage on this. Like to have to do that, I, I couldn't. That's where I. That's where I have the respect. Yeah. But also, every time you have to pull up, oh my god, you've just been shot. Yeah. Or the person I'm most in love with in the whole world is dying. But it's like Friday at five, and I'm fucking hot, and it's <laughs> Hawaii. But I'm over it. I'm over it. And my balls hurt, yeah, right. and it's over want, it. And then I'm, you don't want to be an actor. Yeah, we've been doing this forever, and I think my character's getting yeah, I think out. we got it. I think we got it. Let's move it on. Yeah, no, that's hard. It, it's, I, I have a lot of respect That's that funny. Stuff, I know? have no respect for it. You have none? None. Uh, and tell me why. That's, tell me. I just, I mean, it, people put such self-importance on it, and basically, they're good liars. You're good liars. People are good liars, but most people are. That guy who goes to his shitty job in the middle of... Topeka and puts a smile on his face every day. That guy's a great actor. But do you know how important it is that when he comes home and watches you and you tried, it matters to him? Maybe. Like, that it, I, if he puts a smile on his face, I guess that's why we're here. When I do stuff with them and kids now, because I just used to judge, like, I, I wouldn't watch Portlandia. I was like, fuck them. They're your friends. Why are you mad? I don't know. It's a deep... <laughs> It's a I deep have, fear of anything. I have, I, anything with people I don't even know I'm angry with. I don't want <laughs> Chelsea Peretti to have anything. That's who I am. I'm she's really bit, funny. But fuck, damn, she's great. I know, I know. I'm just, I, and they're all great. But my but kids. But it's hard to be in this town to not do that. But that's the, that's the you have to. Especially right. with kids to go, why? Because you're doing great. You have to look at your other friends who are doing horrible and go like, oh, God damn, at least I'm, I'm actually doing okay. Right. And do, they, do, my, do I, my dad is not a bitter person. So he never watched people on TV right. and acted like a dick. And so, I, and I don't want to be petulant in front of my kids. But you came up with a lot of really famous, who became famous comedians and big time people. And they still flip. I mean, the fact that, so we're watching Atlanta now. And I said, um, um, Something to my wife about doing something with Donald in we did bring the rock in Bumbershoot or something, and they were like, "Wait, wait, you know, Childish Gambino?" Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I don't know him, but I mean, if I saw him, he'd say hi. I mean, no, what are you talking about? Like they were fucking, and that they get such delight from it, and that it's so important to them. And then you think, you know, I just. So I see it differently now because the joy that they get from certain... And so Portlandia was like one of the first sort of adult things that they loved. And I saw it in a whole other way because they don't care where Fred... What his journey fucking yeah. was. He's just a guy that dresses up like a girl and like... Yeah. They're just fascinated with why that's happening and sort of the whole... They are getting the intent of the show more than I am because I'm thinking about the career aspect right. of it and who's writing on that. I think kids changed that for me before my kids because I got married really late. I was like late forties. I got married and started having kids. And before then, I Wait, did judge fifty two. I'm nineteen sixty four. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you were I late. used to judge myself against other people's careers and go, "Oh, that guy, this guy, that guy." And as soon as I had kids, for some reason, it just kind of made me sit back and go, "You know what? I'm doing okay." I don't. Oh my I didn't god! Resent. I stopped trying to judge myself against others. And I, I, I kind of calmed down a little bit and said, you know what? I, it's all good. And it oh, helped me a ton. 
Yes, and also this stuff doesn't it doesn't matter. Like none I, of it matters. It doesn't matter. All, it, think it, about the shows from the '80s, and those people were like movie stars, and now, yeah, it's right. When it, you say something to your so... kids, and you, I was. What did we watch yesterday? Oh, we watched The Tick. I haven't and seen it. It's good. fucking great. Yeah. And uh, Jackie Earl Haley's in it. Yeah. And I started to talk about Bad News Bears, and they're like, well, I don't know that. You know, they just don't know. They, don't, you, they don't know who John Wayne is. They don't know who. Right. And you're like, that's the biggest star of all time. Right. You know, these I people. Mean, that's how. Temporary. This whole thing is. Even the Beatles are a little bit like, yeah, I guess. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it's still one of those yeah. things. But it, it should be that way. It absolutely should be that way. They should have their, and they're going to have well, we, their own things. You know, you know, as a performer, we want to strive for immortality in a way, but it's there's none of it. Tom also, Cruise it is going to be forgotten in 20 years. People are going to go. Tom? All mortality means is somebody remembers you during celebrity, and then you all laugh about it, and then that's it. Like it's not. You know, you have probably five artists that super matter to you. That like, if they weren't around that would have been a bummer for you. But everybody else is just a cool thing that you experienced while you were going to do something else that was yeah. probably, hopefully, better. Let you me know? ask you this, because we've had a, a slew of uh, suicides lately. Yeah. And so Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington kill themselves. Yes. I'm, I'm going to bring this down for a minute. Yeah, let's take it down. Here's yeah, why yeah. it upset me. Am I thinking about it? Yes. Here's it's a hot trend me. right now. And It is a hot trend. Suicide rates are up among kids because they're becoming antisocial because they don't talk to each other. Right. But as, here's my deal. Once you're a parent, you forfeit the right to kill yourself. I just like Chester Bennington has six kids. And at some point I'm like, dude, you can't. I get it. I get depression. I guess a little. But once you have kids, you really have to go. It's so, not about me. and Nothing's so, about me anymore. To not be contrary, I would say you you don't get depression because I don't, I don't. think anybody takes that step without believing. Not only do they not, it's not sad when they do it. They're like, fuck. I'm gone, finally. That's this is the over. idea. Yeah. No, 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 this is it because... In your mind, because I've been very close. Kids. Like my life has changed. It's not your kids. So There's much. no way that you believe in your head. You're like it is not better for. Like I am not a benefit to them, right? Your your thought is that's what he's thinking. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the, doing them a favor. I'm the big child in the family. I'm the one that has to be looked after. My, you know, there's probably things he's so embarrassed about, and so things he can't live with, and things that he's done or said, and things that you know, have upset him and the family and the wife. And there's a point where they, people do get kind of like fucking tired of you. And I feel like as much as everyone loved him, there was probably, it was probably, and there was enough evidence for him to be able to compile a case against himself to go best case scenario. I'm out of the picture. Everyone, that problem's they'll read, gone. They'll, read, they'll have money for the rest of their lives. They'll right. be okay. And I'm I've done things I can't un, undo, which is not true. But he can make up his own evidence too. It doesn't. It doesn't have to come from the real world. That's right. And most people, I mean, most people are making up their own evidence because once investigated, they might find find out. Um, they might find out. Oh no, nobody thinks that. Well, I used to joke about. I don't think I was going to live that long. Like I before I had kids, I would you know. I, Partied my ass off. And right. I was like, oh, they're going to find me floating face down in a jacuzzi with a bottle of Jack or something next to me or whatever. And now that I have kids, I, I'm like, I'm not going parachuting. What are you insane? I can't do stuff like that. I have kids. I, I'm so cautious because now I'm like, God damn, now I have to live for my kids. So I, so I had cancer uh, in 2015. I was diagnosed with a, a non-Hodgkin's B-cell B lymphoma, and I was in Australia when it happened. When I when I was diagnosed, and they uh, they said you got to fly home and go immediately to emergency, and because this is uh, growing quickly and it's cutting off all the blood to your intestine, and uh, you're you're not going to die today, but you're that's the direction you're headed. 
Um, and but it's possibly something they can, if they get after it quick enough, maybe maybe they'll have some success, which they did. But at the time, I had this moment of, uh, and when the guy said you have a cluster of tumors in your intestine, um, um, he said it, he was Australian, so it sounded not as pretty uh, funny. Yeah, cancer. Yeah, just cancer. sounded. Yeah, it sounded better. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's great. So he <laughs> said cancer again. Cancer. Yeah, it doesn't sound nearly no, as bad as cancer. Sounds, sounds that fun. R, it's it's the R is everything. R's are everything. But um, I said uh, <laughs> I said uh, the first thing I said to him was, "Well, I've had a good life," and he goes, "Well, we're not picking out headstones, mate." But I but my mate, thought, I love you. You just mate, throw the mate. In. He threw it. He said, it, "I swear." And then to God. you had some Foster's Lager, and we all yeah. had a good laugh. Yeah, mate. We're not pal. Do you have also? Do you also have cancer? Yeah. Well, then we're not really friends. Like if we both had cancer, I'd feel like we were mates. No, no, you're my doctor. That's it. But he, um, but my, I guess my point was like, I felt like given the amount of time I had which at that point was 51 years, uh, I'd spent it pretty wisely. Like, you know, I went, I pursued things that I wanted to do. I right. had some good experiences. I had some bad ones. I've also made some massive mistakes that I wish I hadn't made. Um, but I felt like I didn't, uh, I felt like I used it up properly. So my relationship How old were with your that kids stuff, at the time when, when this happened. So they were in 13 and 10, 13 and 10. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was tough, yeah. but I'd also had, I mean, their mother's spectacular. They're the nicest people. The two of them are so nice. I mean, were you planning like, all right, you, you'll remarry, you'll be okay. And we'll, that part I don't like that part in my head, the guy that comes in later that makes me go, makes them go, wow, he really was a pain in the ass. <laughs> that got that. I don't, that part I don't like, but the, but the, Knowing that my wife is a good person, knowing that my kids are going to be able to take care of themselves, you yeah. know, uh, no matter what. But it is that friendship that when I would, I don't, the idea of suicide just doesn't feel like a solution to me. But it, but I, I, I do understand it. it. I get it. I do get it. And also, I get it. But it, it, if, uh, like everyone, I, if, I think we need to stop idolizing and revering in a way that it's like, hey, listen, I get it. I, I mean, I guess I just don't understand it, but I'm so hurt by those kids. It just, it's the same way before I had kids. I could watch horror films where they just cut children up, put them in a box and threw them away or whatever. And I'd be like, that's a great plot point. That makes a lot of sense. Now, if a kid just gets hurt on a movie, I'm like, I can't, I can't watch this. Right. No, no, no. I get it. I mean, I can't. I mean, I don't. You know, my kids watch Grey's Anatomy, which is just a way of getting me out of the house because I'm like, well, I don't love any of this in the <laughs> hospital stuff. And every time a kid comes in, you go, doomed. Not a cast member. Doomed. <laughs> Not a cast day player. Nope. He can't stay. That's He's dead. He's wearing a red shirt. You know he's going. He's, yeah. Why is he wearing a red shirt? That's so oh, weird. That's so weird. Yeah. They, um, uh, right, right. Kids are the red shirts of hospital stories. That's, that's it, yeah. You know, and they- how, can't else, remember- how else would we as an audience have emotion, Greg, right. without, if they don't kill a kid, I won't cry on a Thursday night at Right. It's not like he was born with cancer. Like he comes in with a hangnail and it turns out to be yeah. some horrible thing, you know, always oh, being it's eaten. A, it's a tapeworm in his hand. Wait, right. what? That's yeah. insane. His skin's eating itself. Yeah. And, uh, um, but I think the other thing people forget is that moment when someone makes that decision is just as quick as any other mood swing you have. And they just don't make it out of that moment. You know what I mean? It's not like always like this long, slow march to death. You know, people swing in and out of. That's why people get up and take a shit and eat food because they still want to be alive. And then yeah. they. So it, it happens, I think, quicker than we think. And so the it's not as premeditated. Always, even if somebody's talked about it, they've also probably talked about other things. I mean, fuck, I saw Soundgarden. Five months before. Like, he was on like they CBS were, Sunday morning the week before, and I was like, oh, God, I got to go see him. His voice is like melted butter. Yeah, God they're fucking great. It. They were like, I was so like. So good. Yeah. And so 
That's um, what offends me too. You're like, it's so hard to make it in the music business. You have everything, but I did, you can't fight it. I did a sober benefit for the singer of Depeche Mode and Chester was there. And the first person that I did stand up and I went a little bit long. And then the first performer was the girl from Paramore. And she came out and she was like, that was so funny. And then she performed. But when I got off stage, her manager just fucking ripped me a new one. This is a charity event. She ripped me a new one. And um, and then walked off. And Chester Bennington walked over and goes, fuck her, dude. You are awesome. Yeah. Fuck her. I man. do like Paramore. He goes, go out there and do more time. <laughs> he was so such a bro and super I nice know. and it was the right thing to say yeah. and it was not i mean it was a nice thing to say to somebody who was like i felt wow i was i didn't mean to upset anybody and he was super super nice and then he went out and performed and it was all cool and you know so then you think oh he's a good guy he seems like he's a nice got it guy. all together yeah I got he's one in a hit second. band they're multi-millionaires he's got yeah. some great kids boy i wish i'd had that guy's life yeah i worked yeah. on suddenly susan one of my first jobs early on and oh i remember God. just going god damn i want to be them i want to be the series regulars yeah and there was a guy david i can't remember his name he was like the third lead on it and he hung himself that weekend after my shooting with andy dick they were all in vegas and he hung himself the kid from suddenly susan and the show ends up going on oh, for like another i've season come close when hanging out with andy dick yeah Sometimes you think there's no way out of it. How many people died in Andy Dick's care? Oh my God. He'll do it to you. Yeah. But the whole time I was like, he's at, the whole week he was having a ball and I was like, God damn, he's got his life oh together. God, and then that. you're like, no, people just can't be fucking happy in this world where you're like, we put so much shit on it. And I, I, right. I mean, I, I, I get a little depressed, but obviously I don't understand depression at that level. But well, it's I like, think why also, can't people just pull their shit together? Drugs take you and drop you off at a place you didn't expect. Yeah. You know, the, the, uh, having had some experience with the, you know, Oxycontin takes you to a place where you are like, this is what superior gods must feel like. Because <laughs> not only do I, not only am I high and I feel good, but I want to listen to you. And that's only because I'm also consuming your ideas while you're talking, thus becoming stronger. <laughs> and then I will destroy you. Like Eventually I'll get to your soul and that's what I need. That's right. But I also am happy so to take a nap. It's, just, it's drugs. Or is yeah, it? Yeah, well, the opposite of that is that drops you off at the other end. Yeah. And then you're like, I didn't know life could be this black. Like, this is a darkness that I didn't know existed. And I think, and I think because you, if you haven't been there, you don't know it exists. But I've had it, some it, shame spirals of like the next morning where you're like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. And then you realize like, for the, like a week where you have to go, I forgive myself, forgive yourself, forgive yourself. Sometimes it's, that's a, a call and response to something you did. Drugs are an unnatural state of being, so you get dropped off in a place you didn't know existed and you're not even sure why you're there. Right. And it just amplifies all the things you already think are wrong with you, but not because of any particular thing. So yeah. um, self-loathing is a, you know, a very easy, and it's easy. It's an easy setting. Well, I think it's also the profession. You know, the thing about my dad, like, yeah, he drank most nights, he'd have a couple beers, but he, he was home every night. Like, I think when you're a rock star or you're an actor or something and you travel it's not conducive to being to family life like if you disappear for four or five months at a time and go on the road and then come home and visit your kids or your kids come out it's it's not the stability that i think a healthy family has in a way does that make sense no and that's the thing so sarah silverman i don't know if you talked about this but she got in a, i think an argument with house sparks but she talked about the fact that she chose not to have kids and to go out on the on the road and she said you know guys that she was arguing sort of that uh that guys that do do that are not, full, you know, the best parents in a way, and um, and I, and he, I think he argued with her, and I was like, no, I kind of, I kind of agree with you. I agree with. I you. sort of agree with you. Like yeah. I, if you give, if you decide to have kids, you know, and then you're always gone because that's what you did. What were you thinking when you know there is a thing of like, and also I don't want to miss it. 
I, didn't I mean, I, I stopped doing the road when the kids were born for like a few years. And then what's funny is recently I kind of tried to go back out and they were like, yeah, we don't need you anymore. They're saying that to me. Because it's 52 get, weeks a year, and now there's all YouTube stars who are selling out weeks, and they're like, yeah, you know, Jamie, we're good. Right. Thanks, they're like, they're like uh, yeah, have you had a YouTube show or a podcast? Yeah, but there even any, then, it's followers like, do you? yeah, it's, uh, yeah. But they're, wait, they're in trouble, but, too. But, uh, uh, Greg's, Greg's really funny. He'll crush for an hour. That's not really what we're looking for these days. And it guys. isn't. And it's it not. isn't. It isn't what the business is anymore. No. So then you start going. Well, you know, you can take that personally, or you can move to wherever it is you think the next, what the next, where you would be best, where your comedy or your. The sense problem of humor is most of the people we know. I, I know guys who don't want to be on the road, but that's their only income. So forty to fifty weeks a year, they go out every week to make the money to raise their kids because they try to get off the road, but unfortunately, they're so pot committed to being a stand up, and they right. they can't earn any other way right no I, it's uh um chester yeah. bennington those guys it's like all of a sudden well, this, is, this is how i make my living i'm on the road yes i think everybody thinks once you've been like if you've had a song or a book or something they're like you're set and you're like it, it doesn't work fuck, that it would be great if it worked that it way really does. there Especially are so many days where you go that they're paying out if i had a computer in college i wouldn't even be in entertainment you wouldn't no <laughs> what I'd would you a, be doing i would have gone into advertising i would have gone into graphic I, arts dude when i got out of the navy the first thing i did was got, i went and bought ad week and I was like, you know what? I could make commercials because at the time I really kind of had right. a good vibe about commercials, right. and that's how I got into acting because everyone was like, well, just just go into that side of it. If you want to go into show business, go into advertising and learn how to shoot something, learn how to write, yep. learn how to speak, learn how to do graphics. Like, well, that's learn. what kids are doing that now. That's what Instagram is. 60 seconds, they're making little short films. And yeah. it's basically you're making advertising because as soon as they get enough followers, Target reaches out and goes, "Hey, we'll give you ten grand to make a make an Instagram sixty second thing about Target." It's, right. So they everyone's in advertising. That's how they brand and monetize what they're right. doing. Right. All the fonts that are available yeah. to them are available to you. I know. You know, and how you, know, how you do it. I used well, to do sketches in front of six people on La Brea, and now I can post one sketch that's twenty seconds, and millions of people can see it in twelve hours. You know. Right. But even then. And then you're like, now what happens? Nothing. Nothing. Do no. we? And it's uh, all meaningless. Well, it'll. Ch I think it'll. I think it'll. The dam will break eventually because I. I think it'll become less and less exotic, and I think there will be a point where people are like, okay, I'm gonna. I get it. Yeah, there's gonna be some people who are like, you can't find me on the internet. I some people. I thought the same thing. It's the same way people went back and started to do vinyl again, but that's still a small number because the internet is expanding exponentially, and people. It is still the best way to reach the consumer you can reach a billion people right in a click of whatever like i thought about uber the other day man i was like i kind of i think we all had that idea as a kid is like look that car is driving right by me why can't he just drive me to where i'm going and then some guy was like yeah i'll make an app and he's a billionaire because of it and it's a great app well which one is that? The Uber app? Uber, Lyft, whatever they are. The one that I think is the genius one is Waze because it's intuitive and it works it's in crazy. time and it's community-based. So you're getting anonymous, real-time, constant yeah. feedback. If I could have one of those for my life, please. Thank you're you. not going to want to take a ride up here. I know that decision feels like the right one. That's the wrong, that is the wrong choice for you. Don't talk to that girl. Go. Left. I know it's weird, but go to barber school. Get a skill. I'm 54. I'm telling you, trust me. All right. I hope that's a bit because that's your ways, ways for personal choices. Yeah, because that, that one is like, you Get know. Off the, the main thoroughfare. It's really clogged. Right. Take a left turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm interested. I'd be interested if people have it in Houston and what people are. You know what I mean? Like there have to be what are the right roads and where can I go and where can I go? And where is they added to... one that, you know, how it says like walking 
bus, yeah. car. They added a boat. They added a little boat. By boat, it's only 12 minutes. You'll, you'll get there very, very quickly on the ways. Look, if um, you're floating on a door or a uh, or riding a cow just through town. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Flood humor. Still a little early, maybe. It's never too... By the time this comes up, the flood jokes will be... Yeah, yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll be yeah, flooding yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, you, you talked about having cancer. Were you, did you have a long conversation with the kids, and were the kids scared? Was it? They were. It wasn't too long. I they I came home from Australia, and they had a dance competition, and we decided it was best that they be at the dance competition because uh, the first weekend was sort of rough. Um, then they came home, and then they came in, and we sort of talked about it. But at I mean, that was point, was their math? Were they did they give you odds of like people with this cancer typically fifty yeah. fifty? When I, two years survival. My doctor said this is of, of the cancers that of all the cancers are this is the one you want because there's a I don't well, yeah, well, I, I mean, you don't want you, testicular you that's always right just not did a great I, where did I sign up for that and not realize it did I sign up for cancer I, that's what I did I clicked a thing I I don't just Inte- to. what is was intestinal. Yeah, intestinal. So they for don't me as wanna... a man, it was always be like, don't, don't just don't give me breast cancer because guys can get breast no, cancer. No, I know. I have as a friend. Well. I have, yeah, no, yeah, I know. Like, oh, yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah, that. Yeah. I don't want testicular. No, um, colon. I, would... I guess wouldn't be awful. Maybe, yeah, I, I mean know. prostate. prostate. Like, like prostate, prostate's normal. Thyroid. Those ones. Those ones. I just are... had a friend who had skin cancer with the nose. They had to re, like skin graft it. Yep. From yep. the shoulder. Yes, and they're better at it. And the one that yeah. I had, there's a thing called rituxan, and it and it goes after those tumors. They were they were um, fast growing, but uh, but they yeah. could be eradicated, so they're gone. You know. Were you like, I'm gonna I'll kill this son of a bitch? Did you go uh, Jean Claude Van Damme like cancer? No, because you can't do anything. It's not like it's not like you can get on the floor, and start doing push ups. Like there's nothing you can do except <laughs> lay there. Like I'm like. You know, when people talk about heal. that, you really he really fought cancer. Now nah, I might have ate pot candy and watched The Wire. That's what I did. You know? <laughs> and I didn't even enjoy the pot candy. It was not my not my deal, but I um um but I did enjoy the wire. You know, one of the best shows of all time. It's it almost amazing. worth getting cancer. Oh my like I, if you don't have the time to see the wire, look, here's maybe a minor cancer. As a as a person goes from job to job, you know, you got cancer, you got shit to do for six months. Like you are booked out. You are like and you know what you're doing. You're laying around, people are feeling sorry for They're you. They're coming to visit you, dropping yeah. off meals. Yeah. Some people will visit you, some people will drop out. It's a very scary thing for some people. You're it's some a, people it's don't want to real... be involved. Yeah. It's weird, right? Yeah. Where you're like, Hey, all I want you to do is still be my friend and people are like, uh, I can't like a lot of people, like tough guys I know, are like I don't want to see you in a, in a hospital room, and you're like, well, that's that's what friendships about, man. Come, yeah. kind of coming on a journey with me. But you start to get like, yeah, I didn't want to see you. Like the thing is, you only want to be around people who are okay with it, and also like you don't want people coming over and being all feel sorry and shit. You're right. like, look, take your crying somewhere. Like, Especially I get as a it. comic, you're like cracking jokes. Well, I'm sure. also like you you make your peace with it. It's like it's mine. It's the only thing. It's you know I, I gotta go. Some people leave early. You know we gotta. Were you I, putting your affairs in order? I fuck. I wish I had some affairs to put in order. Were you making videotapes? What are we gonna do with to that fifty dollars we have left? I don't know. <laughs> Cut it up any way you want it. Make sure the kids get some. Well, that's a yeah. really good question. Is I mean, were you SAG after insurance? Were you insured properly, or were you like on oh, fuck? We had we had some writer's skill that was only okay. It was pretty brutal. It was it was uh, it was. Uh, that's what people. That's what we. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. They, it was insurance. It was tough. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, but uh, but it was what it was. We had some insurance. Some people have none. Um, well, then was, again, at the end of the, at the end of it, you're like, it's life, man. It's 
Yeah, yeah I get doing to better stay. than some. Like, I'm doing worse out. than others. Right. Yeah, there's a better very, than the alternative. You do walk away with a little bit of like, well, I am still here. You know what I mean? Do you like, think it gave your kids kind of a better sense of the frailty of life and and enjoying it more? I think kids today are spoiled in some way that they don't understand just how hard this whole journey is. And maybe kids growing up under that would go, hey, you know what? Make you stronger as a family. Make you care more. I think that I almost left. You know that uh, like that that it was one of those things where they had the idea that I could possibly die, made it so that they're extra careful with me. You know what I mean? Like they're in some ways, it's like oh, we can't yell at daddy; he can get cancer again. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I might and have so to they're use that with my kids. Then, they're uh, all I do is scream yeah, at me. Oh, my cancer! Oh, that hurts. My cancer hurts. It might be coming back. You know, you don't want to. But I've I look I don't know why and I'm and I'm not uh, uh, going to question it. But both my kids have been since birth very nice to us and to their um, to our friends and to their friends, and they are. But fun. you're, you're the a kind nice of person. You don't seem like too big of a dick. Hi. Are you just nice now? Did you used to be a bigger dick when maybe when you were drinking? I think I'm more self-centered than I put. I mean, I you know I think um, I can be. I can be one of us. I'm in fucking show business, you know? I'm self-centered and self-seeking and thinking about myself all the time and, you know, worried about what's going on and how I look and my appearances. I think for a while, I think the cancer cured that. I think I kind of went, yeah, it's not important and no one cares. Uh, And all of this stuff isn't important because none of it's important. important. But you do need to keep working. There is that thing. But you should also, don't just, you know, we still need to make a living. But um, Well, let me ask you this. Now that you're cancer free and you're back to like not worrying about that as much mm-hmm. is there a freedom now to go like oh thank god that's over and now like a fear of like oh shit i actually was kind of wasn't sure i was going to be around and now i got well, now i got some shit i got to take care of yeah a little bit of that there is a little bit of um I'm, flanagan you know flanagan who runs largo he's an old buddy and he said that, yeah. yeah and he was like you got to be careful because people get depressed after cancer and i was like really and he goes yeah because he goes you know everybody's worried about you and you got a lot of attention and and also you know like i said when you know what you're doing and then if you get through it people are like okay you're good you're and they good. move on and suddenly you've got to work again and nobody's just handing things out and you know for a and while i got a lot of afraid to hire you well you know Greg, there were some the helium he's, clubs he's the improvs now. like a lot of places threw me work that didn't that were kind of like eh, he's not selling a ton of tickets, but he, we, uh, we love everybody him. gave me everyone that's, cool. that's ever been nice to me gave me work. Like you know, that's but cool. as we come back around again, they're like, well, we do need to make money, you know. So yeah, uh, um, you know, you, but you you just have to like roll with what you're given, I think, and go. Well, what what do I do with this that I have now? Because yeah. I'm not trying to compete with. Donald Glover or any, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, you're not trying to compete with anybody. That's the hardest thing to learn in this time to go, just my competition among myself. What can I create that somebody would want to partake in? And so, I mean, you're obviously, you're already an author, a comic, an actor, a performer. You have all these amazing skills. And so now that you're through this, it's just finding what's next that you want to create. I mean, your band stuff that I see you doing on Instagram and stuff just kills me. Well, I appreciate that. And I really enjoy doing it. It's tough. I mean, a band is a hard proposition at any age, but in, sure. at, at 54. But as a touring comic who can also have a have a three-piece behind him or something, I think, to me, that's a wonderful show. I, dude, I would love that. But that those guys have to make money also. Yeah, that's the problem with That's yeah. why bands... And somebody have to know why they're coming out to see that. solo because he's like, I can't split the money four ways. Yeah, I mean, when I, when I got cancer, I was doing a show called I Am The King Sweater, which is a, yeah. about two years of my life that didn't happen where I talked about being a 
rock star in Japan and inventing my own hair products and then being thrown out by the emperor. <laughs> like it's an insane thing. And it was I really, it. I you the improv doing it. It was really, uh, <laughs> uh, it was, I, I really took on a lot. And I think there was a little bit of a mercy kill with the cancer. We were like eight shows in. It was like, oh, that's a shame. That's got to go. Uh, because people were like, they don't, what? It, it needed to, uh, it needed to be a show for like a year. Sure. It needed to sort of become something. And, and, uh, and I was trying to do a lot of things yep. at once. And I've it, done the same thing. Yeah. You do know. a heavy bit and then it's, you don't commit to it or something or it starts to fade. And then you go, I can't fucking pull right. this thing. Even though this was the, in, this was the impetus for the whole show was to get to this nugget of truth that I wanted to share with everybody. Everybody's like, we just want fun time. And sometimes I think sometimes it's a comedy club too. Cause I tried to do some dramatic stuff in comedy clubs and people were taken off guard by like hey we came for jokes tell some dick jokes if somebody's eating you may not do drama yeah if somebody has something in their mouth that they're eating while you're doing it you can't it's just too hard it just is not the setting it's you know they've got drinks in their hand and they're not you know you gotta really gotta subterfuge it yeah Yeah. and uh um i mean there's guys like chris titus and some of those folks who've been able to really make that happen he created his own audience basically yeah he commanded yeah, enough yeah, of a respect yeah. where people go oh and this is what this experience yeah. is i won't have chicken wings but sometimes this. i go see his show and i'm like yeah i get it i'm in a comedy club going yeah, it could have been funnier you know what i mean right even i get judgmental it's a lot because it, it's a comedy club mentality instead of going if i saw it at the taper I'd be like crying like Dear Evan Hansen yes. where I'd be like, oh my God, that Dear was Evan so Hansen fucking so brilliant. Fun. As opposed to at a comedy club, you're like, more jokes. Well, you give yourself a lot to pull off. Yeah. And then you go, dude, you're good at just talking. Why did you? Why are you standing here with a guitar and now these <laughs> cue, all these cues and you have an outfit on? You are a really Fuck. good fucking talker, dude. My, 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 uh, you know, my, I think the big, if I made a career mistake, it was I, as soon as the book thing got popular and I was being sought out for giving advice, I rejected it out of hand. I mean, I went through the paces and had a talk show because I thought that was the right thing to do, but I was hoping that it would come back to comedy some way. And then when that didn't happen and I was just on the road, I just rejected the book flat out. And I think the other mistake I made was I happen to be good at listening to people talk about their relationships and give advice. There's something good at it. It's just something I, I have a skill set. I have a, I have the ability to look at something from a certain angle and be able to sort of sift through the bullshit and get the conversation going so that you arrive at your own answer. To you, you're like, I know, but that's not what Jack White does. I know, but you're not Jack White. How many times are we going to have that conversation with yourself? I know, but I still like hats and, you know, like. It took me forever to, I fought hosting. I I don't want to be a fucking host. I'm an actor. And then I hosted some things and everyone always told me, they're like, you're a really good host. You should host. Such a fucking hard skill. I've tried to host things. It's like too many things are happening at once. And then there's a contestant and he needs to be. It was too easy for me. I didn't care about it and I didn't think it mattered. And then I did it a handful of shows and I made a lot of money at it. And I was like, why did I, why didn't I do this for the last, what the fuck is wrong with me? Right. I'm an idiot. And then you don't care because you know, like, yeah, when you run into somebody who's the host of something or like. And you meet them and you're like, oh, you are really cool. This, you are cool. Why did I think what you did? What's my deal with all this? Like, who do I think is judging all of this? Yeah. No one. No one. No one's Nobody's barely judging paying attention. Either, and everyone's always impressed yeah. when you have work. And you have an amazing voice to speak. You always, I mean, so I've, you've always been one of my favorite comics. I love you. Thank you, you, man. You ramble and fly and go through stuff. It's amazing. So, uh, honestly, it was really great to have you. Today. Dude, I, I this have was a couple so questions fun, man. that I wrapped yeah, this yeah, thing yeah, up yeah. with. Yeah. What, are, uh, what are some of the traits that you have that you hope your kids get? Oh my God. Or from your wife, you and your wife's traits that you hope you pass on. Well, my wife is the person that you go to when all the shit goes down. My wife is I just hope they're like my wife. Yeah. She just, just is like a Johnny on the spot. She's really thoughtful about other people. Um, she's incredibly, um, 
there's just nothing she can't do if she decides to do it, which is not the case with me. I can do it, but do I have four or five years to learn it? You know, that's, I'm like, okay, but how, how's it going to go for me for the first three years? Awful. Awful. But then you'll get it. It'll click. Right. Three years in. Um, I am um, probably kinder and less judgmental than my wife. I'm, I'm probably more open to things. So maybe that part of it, you know, the girls can be a little sassy. Are your kids you know? good speakers? They're, they're good at, at it in the way they do it. They present themselves full, my, especially true, the older one. Uh, but she is a person that will say, did they have to take a regatta to get to the top of that building? And I went, what? <laughs> a boat? Did you say boat? A, a boat race? What? <laughs> did you mean ladder? And she'll be like, yes, ladder. What the fuck? You're 15. I, the, I judge more. I judge people so harshly by the way they speak. We don't talk politics too much, but and I don't even go into his politics, but Trump offends me as a public speaker. Yes. When I see him speak, yeah. I go, he's not even, that's not even a grammatically correct. What is he doing? So I do the same, and, I, and my kid, one of my kids is a great speaker, and the other one's kind of slowly getting it. Right. But I think it's a skill that's kind of going away, and it's really one of your strongest skills, and I wonder if your kids kind of uh, have adopted it. I think, I think True's picked up the, if you commit to it, and you know, even when it's wrong, if you're cool with it, she's really funny. She's really, she's it. really funny. Like I think, I, I I think she may have that bug because she is very pretty, but she does not give a shit. She loves making a face and <laughs> well, wrecking it. She's pretty it. and doesn't give a shit. She's gonna rule the world. She dude. loves to like make like every smile. If you know her, you're like that's one smile away from that face where you ruin a picture. Like you're, she's really really funny. And the other girl's incredibly thoughtful and a little bit strange and, you know, but they're, yeah, they're lovely. Yeah. So I kind of, yeah, I don't, I want them to be. What are some traits of yours that you hope they don't get? Self-centered, um, quick temper, um, uh, a little bit of a victim. I can be a little bit of a victim, you I know. I see all that. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen it personally. No, but, but it's, it. yeah, it's one of those things where, like, you know, that's the thing that kills people is that victimhood. Like, when you come and you look at why that's somebody. That's how you resent other people's fame. Because going, it's, uh, I, I'm a victim. Of course. Yeah. Of course. If you can make somebody else the reason for your problem. So, um, um, that's an interesting I work one. On We've that. never heard that one before. And honestly, that I think that's a great one to say because I think a lot of us do that, especially oh in this business. It's, it's so common. And we don't, we don't, uh, say it of ourselves but absolutely we can make ourselves a victim not my fault i don't have the right management i didn't it wasn't my fault that guy knows that guy that guy has more followers it's nothing's my fault right right the i think this generation coming up they do that more nothing's their fault because I, we've coddled them so much when we first got to town when my mayor and i first started dating we moved into a duplex and our next door neighbor was jessica capshaw who is on Grey's anatomy uh and is um uh steven spielberg's yeah. daughter and so we were. She had a really rough go into the business. She did, but to be fair, no, she did not. No, no, no. But oh, I mean, she did. No, 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 no. But I mean, no, she, her mom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But to be fair, she she went to many auditions where she was not Kate Hudson or any of her peer group. There were a lot of people that worked before her, and she stayed at it. And she, you know, like I. She's still a Spielberg, but she lived in a very fancy house while she was trying. I will to do say, it. like you can say, she. she <laughs> this I, business is a lot easier if all if everybody's paying your bills and you. you know, right, 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 right. When you're not having to pick up a job. Right. To right, make right, it right. Work. But she came. So when she came from, um, uh, where are they from? Arkansas. Her and Kate. You know, um, they were. Kate was divorced and whatever, and they got together and that kind of thing. So she hasn't struggled a lot, but she, 
she can do the job. And also, I'm always like, you know, she didn't pick it. She didn't get to pick it. She, she, that's the boat she got to come in on. That's she right. still has to. I think that about Charlie Sheen. I think Charlie Sheen and George Bush W are the same, where it's like they just fell into the family business and they didn't. Yeah, you, know, you know, have a choice. Yeah, you grew Robert, up in Malibu, and that was like this is going to be your business. And yeah, Robert Downey Jr. But boy, he can walk through the he can walk through the door when it's open for him. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, we got to we for a short time we spent time with them and Amira and her were close, and so we spent some time with the, with the Spielbergs. But the one thing that I picked up just being around Stephen was he's already on to the next thing. So no matter what it is, while whatever it is is being celebrated or trashed, which was the case when you know there were movies he'd made where. Sure. He, he isn't in that anymore. He's already in, the in his project. new idea. Right. And that other stuff is already over and it's already happened and he'll happily pick up an award for it and he'll happily, you know, accept the criticism, but he's not, he's doing the thing because he likes to do it. And that almost sets up the last question because the final question yeah. I was asked is what's a mantra you would live life by? And that's honestly, I always say get rid of the rear view mirror. It's like, just move on to the next project. And if you have to look back to go, somebody goes, hey, you did this. You go, yeah, I guess I did. But that's such an important way to live. Right. I try to, my thing would be, it's not about me. If I'm doing something that, uh, uh, no matter what I'm doing, hopefully it benefits other people as well. Um, not my work per se, but like like the thing, like when Steven Spielberg goes to work, lots of fucking people go to work. Yeah. When he makes a movie, it's an enterprise and it helps a lot of people mm -hmm. in a weird way. You know, certainly he gets something out of it, but... Um, so I try really hard to go, yeah, if it's not about me, and that's generally when I have success, when I make it about me, it will fail just almost immediately <laughs> as I'm saying that's it, awesome. as I'm saying that's it will really fail. Funny. You know, he's just not that indie was, yeah. was a, was a me saying to a girl who was dating somebody at work, you shouldn't go out guys that won't fuck you. Like that was the genesis of a real conversation yeah. that really happened that went into a thing that when they were, when my girl was like, let's write a book. I'm like, I there's 13 people waiting for me at the Baltimore improv. I don't have time for books. You know, I was not interested in it until she explained, look, it'd be, we'll just ask you questions. This is your point of view. Yeah. It'd be very helpful, you know, boom and, off and, and running. And also I, we didn't have any, we're like, it'll be urban outfitters. Like that's yeah. 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 Right. We'll self publish. That, it'll just be in, we'll, we'll pass it out at the trunk of our car. I was like, yeah, yeah, I was like, we should give it away. It just as, you know, it resonated, and, man. But it, that's the thing. I think when you are, if you're genuinely doing something that, matters whether you know it matters or not you'll feel it people will come up and say to you that was important you know and that's when you really yeah. have done something great you know if they come up to you and say how how do i know you that's not good work <laughs> how do i what, what, are you, what are you from what are you from i'm not you're from you, something. You look familiar. Nope. I know you from something. Yeah. Well, I know you. My guest today, Mr. Greg Merritt, thank you so much for coming Dude, out. thank you for having me. Are you me. kidding? It was awesome. Andy Lerner, thanks as always for being my partner. You today. betcha. Uh, be sure to rate uh, and review and share this, and um, we can find Greg. Uh, uh, at Gregory Merritt on Twitter. Yeah, uh, and all of them. almost three or four times a month. Yeah, and, so uh, those are coming together. And, and the there's Instagram. a Greg Merritt. Yeah, I, I yell at the president quite a bit. If you like that. Are you I, still touring a little bit, aren't you? Yes, I'm, I I tour here and there, and I do stuff around LA. And yeah. um, but I'm, I have a podcast right now. I have a podcast called uh, Rock Out with Your Doc Out, which is a rock documentary podcast with Kay Hanley, uh, who is formerly of the band Letters to Cleo. <laughs> and uh, my wife and I have a book that we've been writing called How to Keep Your Marriage from Sucking. Uh, Actually, and I, could, I might need a advanced copy of that. Well, how, how you can just call, can just come over. I'll just come over. And um, and uh, yeah, so yeah, at Gregory Marin. Uh, at Twitter. I yeah. love it. Thanks yeah. so much for joining us today. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody, and we will uh, catch you next time here on Father Time.